Geekville Radio. Day four, ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geekettes. Hello, this is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. Coming at you with a special something for day four of National Podcast Post Month, or NAPOD POMO. We're not going back to the audio archives, but I do have a fun subject that's been on the Geekville Radio website for some time. This is a list of 18 actors who have been in both Doctor Who and Star Wars, and then one who breaks the rules. And there have been several actors who have done both. I mean, both Star Wars and Doctor Who have had their devoted fan bases. Doctor Who has been a TV fixture for 60 years, counting 16 years between series runs. And it has seen 14 lead actors and countless supporting actors in a constantly changing cast. Just about anybody who's anybody in England has appeared in Doctor Who in some capacity. Star Wars, which we all know and love, has been at the forefront of pop culture for, gosh, almost 50 years now. I think it's 45 years. And coincidentally, 16 years between the classic films and the prequels. And at the very least, just about every actor associated with Star Wars, Galaxy Far, Far Away, can find fans at a Comic-Con or sci-fi convention. But what of those who have had roles in both Star Wars and Doctor Who? Well, believe it or not, there are several names on that list. Some of them are going to surprise you. Number one, Peter Serafinowicz. While you may not recognize his face, unless you're an avid Guardians of the Galaxy fan, Peter's resume is a who's who of geekdom. Just taking a look at his IMDb, he's been on The Simpsons. He was the tick on the Amazon TV series. He's been in the John Wick movies. Parks and Recreations, and, like I said earlier, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's done a lot of voice roles. Archer, a lot of video games as well, so his voice is all over the place. Now, as for Doctor Who, he voiced the character of the Fisher King in the 2015 Peter Capaldi story, Before the Flood. You will be a strong beacon. How many ghosts can I make of you? However, his Star Wars work might be where his voice is most recognized. He was the voice of Darth Maul. While the face movement was Ray Park, Peter did do Darth Maul's voice. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Even though Darth Maul only has like five lines in the whole movie. But that still counts in my book. Number two, John Hollis. Now you want to talk about geek cred? Top this. In 1980 alone, John Hollis appeared in Superman 2, for your eyes only, Flash Gordon, and The Empire Strikes Back. Over a 40-year career, he also did extensive TV work. He was in The Saints, The Avengers. He was actually a bit part in the original Superman and Blake 7. In 1972, he played Professor Sondergaard in the John Pertwee story, The Mutants, which has another Star Wars connection that we'll get to later. Welcome. We must have been My name is Professor Sondergaard, I presume. But to Star Wars fans, he is best known as Bespin's silent but competent security officer, Lobot, in The Empire Strikes Back. He was the guy with the metal thing around his head that looked like a space-age pair of headphones or something. Can't really play a clip of his because he doesn't talk. Number three, George Rubicek, or Rubicek. 
Now, he's an Austrian actor. He's been a character actor for many years. He's also been on The Saint and The Avengers. And he has the distinction of appearing in two separate James Bond films, You Only Live Twice and The Spy You Loved Me, as different characters, which could put him on another list of characters that have been in Star Wars and James Bond as well. But Rubicek played the supporting role of Captain Hopper in the fan-favorite Patrick Troughton story, Tomb of the Cybermen, which we actually have commentary tracks for on our spinoff show, Examining the Doctor. Mark, Uncle Greg, and I do some commentary for all four of those episodes. That's really a good story. I mean, it's, it's not aged well visually, but uh, it's it, just the story content is very good. And I think he actually plays an American, so he fakes an American accent. Well, anybody coming along for the ride? Uh, we have our own flying machine. Flying machine? At least it works. But Rubicek had one uncredited scene in... The original Star Wars, A New Hope, as Commander Pragy. Lord Vader, the battle station plans are not aboard this ship, and no transmissions were made. Our escape pod was jettisoned during the fighting. No life forms were aboard. But I believe they did use a voice actor to overdub him, so I don't think that's his actual voice that's in the final movie. But in my book, that still counts. Number four, Michael Sheard. This is one of my favorites. Michael Sheard was a prolific British actor, who appeared in numerous TV series over the years. Way too many to get into here. He portrayed Hitler no less than five times, perhaps most recognizably in the 1989 Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He comes face-to-face with Indy and actually autographs a book for him. So yes, Indiana Jones got Hitler's autograph. Sheard was in six, count of six, Doctor Who stories. In 1966, he was in the William Hartnell story, The Ark, he was in the John Pertwee story, The Mind of Evil, in 1971, which I think was around the time we got the introduction of the Master. I'm just going by memory on that. But twice he did Doctor Who with Tom Baker, 1975's Pyramids of Mars, which we also have commentary for over at Examine the Doctor, and 1977's The Invisible Enemy. And in 1981, he was in Castro Valva with Peter Davison. And finally, he was in the 1988 Sylvester McCoy story, Remembrance of the Daleks. So that's a lot of Doctor Who right there. Now, like John Hollis, he had a small but very memorable role in The Empire Strikes Back. He portrayed Admiral Ozil, who was famously choked to death by Darth Vader in front of his replacement, Captain Piet. Lord Vader, the fleet has moved out of light speed and we're preparing to... You have failed me for the last time, Admiral. He continued acting throughout the 80s and 90s, passed away of cancer in 2006, but his, his body of work is definitely worth looking up. If you ever want to see what some of these British actors did in Star Wars, outside of Star Wars, he, he's definitely one that you'll find a lot of good stuff on. Number five, Garrick Hagen. He had roles in multiple franchises. One of his most seen cameos was as a mugging victim in the opening moments of the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman movie. And in 1977, he appeared in the James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me, which we also mentioned about George Rubicek. Rubicek. Like John Hollis, Hagen was in the 1972 John Pertwee story, The Mutants. He played one of the main heroes, Kai. But he was also in the 2012 Matt Smith story, A Town Called Mercy. So this makes him one of the few actors who worked on both the classic and current version of the show. Now, Hagen and his impressive mustache starred as Luke Skywalker's childhood friend, Biggs Darklighter, in A New Hope. In the original version, he only appeared during the climactic Death Star attack, just long enough to get blown up by Darth Vader. 
But in the 1997 special edition, a scene was added of him chatting with Luke on Yavin before flying into battle. Scenes shot on Tatooine meant for the beginning of the film were never included in any official edit of the movie. There are people that say that they've seen him, but there's been no official edit of that footage put into Star Wars. Number six, Hugh Corshi. He had a supporting role in the original 1986 Highlander film, where he played Connor McLeod's friend Sunda. He's also in the 1999 feature film adaption of Wing Commander, and he was also in the BBC series Holby City as Rick Griffin. Now, Hugh was in the David Tennant story Daleks in Manhattan. He played Solomon, an enigmatic leader of a less fortunate group of freedom fighters. A couple of months ago, he was just a another foreman. Now, it seems like he's running most of Manhattan. And the story also actually co-starred future Spider-Man Andrew Garfield, who puts on a American Southern accent. My daddy died. Mama couldn't afford to feed us all, so I'm the oldest up to me to feed myself. So I put all my coat hitched up here on the railroads. That's worth checking out because you get both Star Wars connection and a Spider-Man connection. But his highest profile role was probably in The Phantom Menace as Captain Panaka. While Panaka may not have been the most optimistic ally, I do not agree with the Jedi on this. There's little doubt that he was good at his job. He's actually one of my favorite characters in Phantom Menace. I wish he would have been in more prequel stuff. Number seven, this is a popular one, Julian Glover. Now, he is no stranger to genre roles. Most recently, Game of Thrones fans saw him as Grand Master Pycelle. He portrayed the main antagonist in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which we also said mentioned had Michael Sheard as Hitler. But he is another actor who appeared in multiple Doctor Who stories. He played the heroic Richard Lionheart in the William Hartnell story of the Crusades, and he also had a villainous role as Scaroth, the main antagonist in the 1979 Tom Baker story, City of Death. Like Michael Sheard, Julian Glover is briefly seen in The Empire Strikes Back. General Veers. And he hit, did have that famous moment telling Vader that Comscan had detected an energy field. Comscan has detected an energy field. Right before Vader strangled Glover's Indiana Jones co-star. You have failed me for the last time, Admiral. Number eight's a doozy, David Prowse. He, of course, was a bodybuilder in his youth, befriended Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno long before any of them were household names. He got his first acting role in the 1967 James Bond film Casino Royale after becoming a championship weightlifter. In 1974, three years before Star Wars, he appeared with future Star Wars co-star Peter Cushing in Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Now, while his face was covered in a costume, Prowse did appear in the 1972 John Pertwee Doctor Who story The Time Monster as a minotaur. Of course, his most famous role also involved covering his face with a mask. Little needs to be said about Darth Vader. That isn't already common knowledge. Dave Prowse was the man in the Darth Vader costume for the original films, and they used James Earl Jones' voice over his own. But if it's out there, you can find highlight clips out there with the onset audio of Dave Prowse, and it's it's definitely different. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it, it's, it's different. Number nine's also a popular one, Jeremy Bullock. Perhaps the 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special's most notable addition to Star Wars lore was the introduction of Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. Before bringing the character to life in 1980's Empire Strikes Back, Jeremy Bullock was a veteran actor of stage and TV. He did a lot of comedy. Comedy was one of his big things. In 1973, Bullock had a supporting role as Hal the Archer in the John Pertwee story, The Time Warrior. Now, this one's one of my favorites. I believe we got this one on uh, 
examining the doctor as well. The story is notable for several reasons. One, it was John Pertwee's final season. It was the first story to feature Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane Smith, and it introduced Doctor Who fans to the evil Sun Terrans. And I believe it's also the first time Gallifrey is mentioned by name, because John Pertwee mentions that he's from Gallifrey. A young Jeremy Bullock also starred as Tor, a rebel who fought against the Morlocks in the William Hartnell story, The Space Museum. And eh, that one's not very good. I, I don't know if we'll do a commentary for it, but the most memorable thing about that story, The Space Museum, is it has William Hartnell hiding inside of a Dalek. Now, obviously, Jeremy Bullock's biggest role, one he's most known for, is Boba Fett. Can't really mention anything about Boba Fett that we don't already know, but he also appeared unmasked in The Empire Strikes Back as an Imperial officer escorting Leia. He was even in the prequels as well, portraying a Republic captain in Revenge of the Sith. So he's actually had multiple roles in Star Wars, much like Anthony Daniels, some as good guys, some as bad guys. Number 10, Leslie Schofield. Now, he has an impressive number of films and TV shows to his credit, including long-running roles on EastEnders and Johnny Briggs. For, for American listeners, EastEnders is one of the most famous British shows of all time. Anybody here from the UK's probably heard of it. It's a very long-running show. I mean, it, it had been around for many, many years. Now, the 1977 Tom Baker story, The Face of Evil, Schofield is credited as Caleb. I don't recall him having too many speaking roles in that, but he is most definitely in it. Now, the character he plays in A New Hope is Chief Bast. He had a few short scenes interacting with Vader and Tarkin, but the most famous one is when he asks Tarkin if he wants to evacuate the Death Star. We've analyzed their attack, sir, and there is a danger. Should I have your ship standing by? Evacuate? In our moment of triumph? That's Leslie Schofield there as Chief Bast. Number 11, Aisha Darker. She's had recurring roles on several TV shows over the years, including ITV's long-running soap opera Coronation Street. That's another one. It's one of the most famous British shows ever made. And she's also been on the BBC's Holby City with fellow Star Wars alumni Hugh Corshi. Darker played Solana Mercurio in the David Tennant story Planet of the Ood. Solana Mercurio, sir, head of marketing and galactic liaison. But in episode two, Attack of the Clones, Darker played Amidala's successor as Queen of Naboo, Jamilia. And she also had Amidala's belief in peace over war. The day we stop believing democracy can work is the day we lose it. Let's pray that day never comes. Number 12, Felicity Jones. She was a child actor, appeared in several TV shows in the 90s and early 2000s. And she played Felicia Hardy, the woman who would be the Black Cat in Amazing Spider-Man 2. As she didn't actually appear as Black Cat. But she also had a guest role in the HBO show Girls, which also starred fellow Star Wars actor Adam Driver. Jones played Rabina in the 2008 David Tennant story, The Unicorn and the Wasp which was a tribute to Agatha Christie murder mysteries. Yes, I'm the bleeding unicorn. And in 2016, the Star Wars spinoff film Rogue One that saw her play Jin Erso, the criminal turned rebel who led the mission to steal the plans for the first Death Star. Number 13, this is a doozy, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg's resume is a collection of geek titles. He made his name in comedy and satire of films like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, but he also has roles in Mission Impossible, Ready Player One, the Dark Crystal prequel, and he is, was also in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films as Montgomery Scott, Scotty. Pegg played the antagonist called The Editor in the Christopher Eccleston story, The Long Game. 
He was also in the Paul McGann story, Invaders from Mars, for the Big Finish audio series. Peg provided the voice of Denger in The Clone Wars, which also puts him on a list of actors in both Star Wars and Star Trek. That's a list for another day. And while his face was hidden, Peg did portray and do the voice of Unker Plutt in The Force Awakens. This puts him on yet another list of multiple Star Wars roles, like we talked before with Jeremy Bullock and the likes. Number 14, Warwick Davis. Now, Warwick Davis is a fan convention favorite and regularly appears at major cons across the country. I have seen this man's shows. It's very good. It's very funny. You know, you can just tell how much he loves the fandom when he does stuff like this. So the guy really is a, a geek treasure. Now, aside from Star Wars, he was the title character in the Leprechaun franchise and played several roles in the Harry Potter film series. Davis portrayed the eccentric Emperor Porridge in the Matt Smith story Nightmare in Silver, and that was written by comic book legend Neil Gaiman. Davis first played Wicket the Ewok in 1983's Return of the Jedi when he was only 11 years old. Since then, he has appeared in The Phantom Menace, the Solo movie, and the sequel trilogy in assortment of roles. Again, multiple Star Wars roles. He'll probably have a list for that as well someday. Number 15, this is a good one, Brian Blessed. Now, my Examine the Doctor co-host Mark Short was here, he definitely has some stories for you. But Brian Blessed is a classically trained actor who has many Shakespeare and literary roles to his credit, but he's perhaps most famous for playing the Hawkman Prince Voltan in the 1980 theatrical adaption of Flash Gordon. Gordon's alive! But Brian Blessed portrayed King Yakarnos in the Carlin Baker story, The Ultimate Foe, where he somehow killed and then married the doctor's companion, Perry. Yes, he killed her and then married her. Not quite sure how that worked, but anyway. Brian Blessed was the voice for the Gungan leader of Boss Nass, who famously made decrees official by slobbering all over everything in The Phantom Menace. Number 16, Lindsay Duncan. Now, she has a 40-year career in TV, film, and stage. She's won Oliver Awards, Tony Awards, you name it for stage performances. She played Alice's mother in the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland adaption, and she's been on several TV miniseries as well. She portrayed the Doctor's ill-fated one-off companion in the David Tennant story, The Waters of Mars. That was one of those like, hour, hour-and-a-half-long specials that were just self-contained. But Duncan provided the voice of TC-14 in The Phantom Menace. I'm TC-14 at your service. That's the first droid you actually see in any Star Wars movie. So she has the distinction of being the, chronologically the first droid voice. But she's the one that greeted Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan when they approached the Trade Federation and kept giving them drinks. But now we get to some of the really big ones. Number 17, David Tennant. Before landing the coveted role of the 10th Doctor, Tennant played Barty Crouch Jr. in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. He was also Kilgrave slash Purple Man in the Marvel Jessica Jones series, and currently he's in the Amazon series Good Omens, and he's voiced Scrooge McDuck in the rebooted DuckTales animated series. Now, Tennant, of course, is arguably the most popular of the modern actors to play the Time Lord. Can't really say anything you don't already know. He did three seasons between 2005 and 2010. But in the fifth season of the Star Wars animated series, The Clone Wars, Tennant voiced the droid Hu Yang and won a Daytime Emmy Award for the role. And he then reprised the role in Ahsoka, 
this past year. He was a regular of that series. Now, Hu Yang, I'm sure, was CGI. Yeah, he, Ten- Tenet wasn't on set for that. But, I mean, it's it's clearly, he's Hu Yang, and there's very clearly some lines in there that were inspired by Doctor Who, because there, there's some very Doctor-like lines he has in that. I have known many Padawans over the centuries, and I can safely say your aptitude for the Force would fall short of them all. Well then, I won't waste any more of her time. The only time you are wasting is your own. And that brings us to the last one, possibly the biggest one, Tom Baker himself. Tom Baker didn't really do much high-profile acting before getting cast as the Fourth Doctor in 1974. He was in The Golden Voyage of Sinbad in 1973 as Korra. And after leading, leaving Doctor Who, he played Sherlock Holmes in a BBC production of The Hound of the Baskervilles in 1982. To this day, Tom Baker holds the record for the longest TV tenure as the Doctor. The fourth Doctor graced fans' TV screens for seven years, from 1974 to 1981. And for many fans, including myself, he's the first face they think of when they hear the name Doctor Who. In Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels, Baker voiced the Bendu a mysterious, force-sensitive creature who acted as a mentor to the heroes. Jedi and Sith wield the Ashlar and Bogan, the light and the dark. I'm the one in the middle, the Bendu. And yeah, when I heard Tom Baker was going to be in Star Wars, that practically did a trouble backflip. And that brings us to the last one, as I would say, the one that breaks the rules, Peter Cushing. And yes, this is bending the rules a bit. Peter Cushing was a beloved actor for decades who excelled at playing heroes and villains alike. He is perhaps most famous for playing Dr. Van Helsing in several Dracula films opposite his friend Christopher Lee. Explaining Cushing's connection to Doctor Who might be confusing to some and rejected by others as non-canon, but the short version is he was in two big screen adaptions of Doctor Who that were made for international audiences in the mid-60s. Today, they might call it a reboot or a reimagining due to it being a different backstory. In these movies, Doctor Who, yes, that was his name, was a human who simply invented the TARDIS. There were no aliens, no laws of time, no Gallifrey, and didn't even have the trademark theme music, which that alone makes it an abomination in some fans' minds. Two movies were made, Doctor Who and the Daleks in 1965 and Daleks' Invasion of Earth in 1966. The latter coincidentally starred Bernard Cribbins, who would go on to play Don Don Noble's grandfather during the David Tennant years. Now, literally just about every Star Wars fan in the world recognizes Grand Moff Tarkin. Peter Cushing once stated that his only regret about being in Star Wars was that Tarkin died because he said he would have loved to have returned to torment the heroes again. But yep, there you go. 18, possibly 19 if you count Peter Cushing. That should provide more than enough material for anybody wanting to have a viewing party. Now... Very possible I missed some. I am open to corrections. This has been Geekville Radio, special edition for NAPOD POMO, National Podcast Post Month, Day 4. If I missed something, let me know. The social media, it's Geekville Radio on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Geekville Radio is the website. You can reply to stuff there. You can reach me by email, seth at geekvilleradio.com. You can give us a like, give us a follow, give us a review. Geekville Radio is on all of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Don't think you can get carrier pigeons and smoke signals yet, but we're working on that for people my age. But 
give us feedback. Let, let me know what we're doing well. Let me know what we could improve on. I always enjoy feedback, especially when it's genuine. If it's genuinely positive, great. If it's genuinely negative, you know, I'll, I'll listen to it. So we're going to power down the studio here in the Geekville Radio Mobile Underground Bunker. Don't ask me how a underground bunker is mobile. I'm not going to sweat the details. And we'll talk to you folks again tomorrow for a day five of National Podcast Post Month. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any products or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests do not reflect the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, the Wrestling Brethren podcast, family, or any of their affiliates. Some media used in Geekville Radio is the product of their respective copyright holders, all rights reserved.